0: what is going on everyone my goodness i'm blasting you with a close-up in my face there that is my fault i changed my camera settings how's everybody doing welcome to Bird soul train we've got an extra special episode tonight one of my uh close friends in the real world as well as the professional world kind of sort of deal here um mr the man himself <laughs> paul outlaw I'm worried about you getting that damn cigar lit. It looked like you're struggling over there. Boy, you look like you have been out there working today. Just a man's man coming on here to teach us a lesson about what it means to get get What it means to be a man. That's what I I want (laughs) to show you, Matt. You got your blade sharp in the background. You got you some new farm in the background. You got your little permagreen hat on. My man. Paul, tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) Why are you here? What do you do? Uh, Just give us us a little rundown here. Who are you? Why do you do this? Where can people learn more about you?
1: Well, uh, I treat turf here in North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina. Um, I do a little mowing, but we're kind of waning away from that. But uh, I got a little YouTube channel, I guess some some folks have seen, called Paul's Prime Cuts. Uh, But... I mean, I just love getting out there and just working on turf and experimenting with some different things, man.
0: Well, I'm glad I don't, you I don't decided to don't have that... of a biography on myself. Well, it's good enough. <laughs> That's good enough for government work, at least. Uh, shout out to J-Pink for diagnosing all your uh, uh, technical issues that you ran into. <laughs> uh, I know. He, he, he Man, started to give me a rundown crazy on crazy. what's been going on between your phone and Zoom and all this stuff and how he got it to all come together. But, that, that hey, that's a testament, Jay Pink, right there. You, you deserve all the credit yeah, in the world for making this come If he could give me all
1: something this technological, he's doing good. I, I, <laughs> I am super technologically challenged, that's for certain. Well, Uh,
2: and
0: uh, along with Paul, we also have uh, our regular uh, host on. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Green Doc himself. Ray, how are you this evening?
3: I'm good. Thank you. I'm real good today. (laughs)
0: Good. You look great, Ray. Have
3: you been exercising? No, uh, I've just been, uh, how shall I say, stuffing my face.
0: That's good. Only you Ray have the uh, innate ability to stuff your face and continue to remain at your uh, trim and proper shape that you do. Uh speaking of proper, we also have Mr. Ryan DeMay, the sports turf king on. How are you, Mr. DeMay?
4: I'm doing well, Matt. It's uh it's raining here for the first time in a while. It's going to warm up, so you know, I got a feeling the grass, you know, between the the moisture and the heat and the mycelium and everything it's going to be hotter wetter and whiter than the bed in the honeymoon suite here the next few days so looking forward to that that's what i'm talking
0: about have you turned your air conditioner on yet this year i'm just curious i don't know a whole lot about canada so i thought
4: i'd ask well, uh, you No, know, we just go outside ig- <laughs> we go inside the igloo and it's it's cool in there i mean yeah we're good and if we're not Does we it- just drink a nice cold stone
0: yeah, that's right. That's right. That's how yeah. you regulate your body temperature. A a keystone from time to time. By the way, uh so people offline don't know, uh uh Mr. Demay received a celebratory gift from um uh from J Pink. <laughs> Being J Pink is the greatest host of all time, by the way. I just I need to go ahead and get that out there. Uh whenever when, when, I, you know, Suck my family up. now, will we'll go over to J shut up, J Pink. I'm talking nice about you here. Whenever we go over to his place, he's the greatest host of all time. I mean, you just, you can't, you can't ask for a better host than he is. Uh, and, uh, so it, it is no surprise when, uh, DeMay comes home one day and has over a hundred cans of Keystone sitting in his garage. You know what I mean? Because J-Pink yeah. is the kind of guy that's going to have Instacart deliver you 15 cases of Keystone. Uh, so it, Paint, you, you 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 serve great in life You you're a, a damn good host on here uh and a and a technological producer you got you got paul's prime i mean what are you doing wrangling on these damn rednecks
3: the the real question is ryan how many of those cans are left oh boy ah i haven't done a <laughs> seven a there's seven
4: accurate count. seven oh no there's more than seven i would say uh, because there is some support too from 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 miller Coors for uh, my other partner in crime ryan Orr on our turfcast <laughs> podcast they they were also <laughs> kind enough to uh support us uh product wise right so we don't we don't schlep or push any turf products but by golly if there's something that can uh lubricate the vocal cords for this show or the turf cast and by golly we're going to get into it but uh i would say without doing a full inventory somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 cans or so left you know so th- there's been some work done but uh still a lot to do so i'm sure like i said who gave weather, you more cans uh, who gave you more cans uh,
3: miller oh, cool can-
4: direct from the damn
0: tap they sent a a five thousand no. gallon tanker truck and filled up all those empty cans <laughs>
4: Yeah, there's an IBC tote of, of uh, there's a 250-gallon tote of Keystone out there. Room temp. you know, you got to chill it. But, no, who sent me more cans? Uh, our producer, our uh, Emmy-nominated producer. Someone John clip Pickers.
3: that out and send it to
4: the Miller Co- Coors guy. You just let him know what's up. I've got his email. Right. I'll get it to him. I'll get it all to right, him. All right, all right, good, good, good.
0: Uh speaking of non uh product sponsors here, uh it has not been officially all contract signed and all that, but we it is I think it's safe to go ahead and say that uh we, we are going to have a uh a a show sponsor and uh that will be contributing a small piece of income for uh Ray and Ryan and Jay Pink for taking their time out of their day to uh waste as many hours as we end up wasting. Uh, but hopefully, is at least some productive content for everybody watching at home. Uh, but that is is for for the time being. It is going to be Get Peak today, uh, and uh, so always if you if you're on Instagram and uh, you want to learn about hormone optimization for for men and to improve your health, then I re- highly recommend checking out
3: Get Peak today. Um, I actually if- already did check them out. I already did check them out, Matt.
0: Ray, I gotta talk to you offline uh, because you actually came up in conversation I was having with them the other day. so um, anyway, I just want to uh, w- Ray, we'll talk about that offline. but a uh, shout out to Your these team. guys. like I said, it's not you know nothing is uh, 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 just rocking and rolling yet, but you may see a little bit of a teaser if you if you do see an Instagram ad uh, you 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 might catch a segment of of me on a video where as we (laughs) tease this thing out so shout out to those guys for even thinking that we are the type of crowd that they want to align with because uh clearly they care about men's health if they if they uh feel like sponsoring something like this right there's there's something more at play because uh i don't i don't think they're gonna expect to get rich off advertising on our channel that is for sure all of that we to suck. Say- it. it's, it's
4: a great connection though. I mean, I mean, we got Paul here to teach us how to be men, right? Tonight. You know, yes. he fired up the Stogie. Yes. He yes. is clearly violating the three button rule. He's really taking you to task tonight here, Matt, because right now are I'm you three way down? More chest. I think he's three down at least.
1: Am I? Count him. Okay. One, two, three. Three buttons, three down.
0: All right, yeah. here's one, two. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm, I'm on number three. Are we? Are we the, the same? Uh, I think we're the same. No, you are, you buttons. are down one more than me.
1: You <laughs> son of a bitch! This thing has why? Holy hell! Up.
0: You son of a bitch, Paul.
1: I'm sorry. Man. <laughs> we're
0: gonna have we're gonna have to drink some more peanut butter whiskey on a balcony in in Louisville, oh, Kentucky. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hey, good about you know, that. speaking of uh shout
1: out to oh, I, I, the guy I who call, provided
0: the flavor.
1: that flavored stuff's a little different
0: yeah it, yeah it, I, I didn't enjoy that too and of course i was trying to be like all prim and proper because this is the the gie the last one we had um uh <laughs> paul came down of course and we were hanging out and it was late at night and i'm I'm all stressed out to the gills uh, because carbon earth had paid for for us to be there and stuff. And, uh, and I, I wanted to be on my a game, right? Because, you know, I've got to entertain all these people that come by the booth and all this stuff. And so, you know, I was telling Paul, I'm like, yeah, I'm not really going to drink tonight. I'm just going to hold it easy. And then of course the peanut butter whiskey comes out and I'm like, well, shit, I guess I'll just have one. All right. I'll just have two. It, I had something else awful too. Didn't I drink a truly or something as well?
1: I think you were, I think, well, I, there was there was a bunch of Miller lights there. I remember that because every time I came up for a breath, somebody put one in my hand. But I, I remember about that night <laughs> at about five o'clock in the morning. Matt, you had to oh, the room Matt was in. I like had to go through it to get to my room or to get out of my room. And it's five o'clock in the morning. And he's in there, laid all across the bed with all this stuff, getting things ready to print out at Kinko's. <laughs> like man, <it's> five <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I got to print these things
3: out. Lord. <laughs> Lord.
0: <Yeah. laughs> I am no stranger to late night work. It's uh, it's where I tend to operate best because, you know, when you've got young kids in the house, you get up early in the morning and start moving around and stuff. They hear you and they chase you through the house. And then they got a million and one questions are always hungry. You know, can you make me some eggs or whatever? So a lot of times it's easier for me to get that, You know three four hours of solid work done without any interruption whatsoever in the middle of the night right so and of course there was just a lot going on at the time too at the gie then so it was uh it was just a pure and total struggle so it's totally normal to be doing stuff at 5 a.m then uh and that's probably why we're not in business anymore either but you know
1: Uh, (laughs) i don't think that's the main reason yeah
4: yeah i was gonna say i'm it wasn't for was effort. That was-
1: we put a
0: lot of effort into it, that's for sure. Uh speaking uh speaking of of Menly Men here, Paul, uh you're you're on the show. What what the hell are we gonna be talking about tonight? We're we just gonna cut up the whole night because I know we can do that too, and it doesn't matter to me.
1: I'm not I a, schedules. Oh, I my. like the you like the old format you used to have where all you talked about was uh weeds and weed control back in the day <laughs> yeah we can and talk I, about weeds and weed
0: control It's my favorite that. shout out to my wife for coming to hang out she's actually cheersing you paul uh sammy some oh, give you a cheers thank you asami oh well,
1: i tried to text matt today and request some uh <laughs> turn this mother out intro music and i was hoping you could have like a uh some choreographing to go with it, you know, a dance or something, but uh <laughs> he didn't respond, so I'll took that as a no. You texted the wrong uh, yeah. person. <laughs>
0: that was a no. I started thinking about uh a content strike or something that was gonna mm. be going on there and I was like, I'm I'm not even, I'm <laughs> not and actually I was kind of in a scramble because Borden was texting me a million miles an hour then too and uh so I was like, Oh Lord have mercy, I gotta I gotta get after this. <laughs> uh Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll talk about weeds and weed control. Any, any particular place you want to start? Um, uh, I can, uh, I guess I'll, I'll tell you at least the, the, what I have done here recently just for grins and giggles to kind of, kind of watch things. Uh, number one is I seeded a small patch of, uh, Kentucky bluegrass in, uh, in my front yard. I really don't have enough sunlight to grow Kentucky bluegrass, but I was like, Hey, you Know spring in Knoxville, Tennessee. Why not let's seed a little Kentucky bluegrass and see what happens? I did, and uh, about 10 days after germination, uh, what did I do? I went ahead and I lit it up with three way, right? And uh, and I can say without a doubt a full rate of three way an ounce and a half uh, per thousand. Um, did not damage any of the Kentucky bluegrass. It looked, it looked fine. Um, I did not see any, any performance dip off and now granted it has not been blazing hot here. Like it has been in the past, you know, but I was more so curious just how tolerant, um, because I see it with fescue too. You know, you, you come in, you know, fescue's up just a, just a hair of a, of a plant and you run three way on it, you don't, you know, it's it's fine. It just chews up, meets it up like no no big problem. I repeated that on Kentucky Bluegrass to see if it would be the same. It appeared to be the same. Um then in the back, of course, I did one of those um one of those fun tank mixes uh that you know inspired by Ray and, and carried out into my career and I still do for fun now, which was a uh a, a sulfintrazone uh monument. And three-way application across the back. Oh, and uh, <laughs> Dithyapyr in that tank mix. And I did it as a one and done. And I had to say, you know, one of the big things I had spraying so late this year, um, I waited till the, you know, the pond back there dried up. And uh, spraying so late, I was eat up with buttonweed already. I mean, there was a significant amount of buttonweed. And that tank mix took care of every bit of that uh Buttonweed, and I was real impressed with that.
3: I think you need some warm weather. You need some warm weather in order for those products to even work for you because I've had some really chunk things happen to me spring when it wasn't warm enough. Like weeds wouldn't die. And I've had to come back and do things like, uh, light it up with uh, pound and a half 2,4-D ester and, uh, you know, the quarter pound dicamba with second application of uh, sulfentrazone just to get things to, you know, go down and die. And I normally don't ever apply that much herbicide to a lawn at one time. I just don't do it.
0: Uh, and uh, I'll kind of stop you there and segue you into this here. Uh, uh, Jeremy Benson has asked a couple times here over in the chat. I just happened to look at, sorry, this isn't one of those where I typically pay attention to the chat a whole lot, but I'm looking over here and I, uh, and he's, he's wigged out about Zorgia and his Bermuda grass in Northwest Alabama. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you that, uh, this is a, a, a a pretty a pretty simple fix here. It's not it's not overly difficult to to get rid of. I know uh, Ray, your favorite tank mix on that is uh, low rate of of Pylex and Ethafumisate. Is that it?
3: Actually, on if I'm trying to remove zoysia from Bermuda, I love tenacity and Syncore. Mm, tenacity and okay. sincore, and it, you apply it at like four ounces tenacity, four ounces sincore per acre and you keep on lighting it up at 21 to 30 day intervals. Just keep on hitting it. Uh, but if you have Zoisha growing, what that tells me is you're kind of on the dry side and your NPK is a little bit on the low end Zoisha should not overpower bermuda unless you're starving or drying out bermuda
0: i'll give you one caveat to the transition zone is um completely irrigation aside it is very unpredictable in terms of which year which grass type is going to be more dominant. You kind of, it's like some years will go by and you can run just a straight up aggressive Bermuda program on it, you know, where you're, you're out there and you're slamming it with, with nitrogen and doing everything you shouldn't be doing. And for whatever reason, the zoysia is tolerant of it. And it just is, is continuing to chooch on and it is making some serious, uh, infiltration into your, into your, uh, uh, lawn. And then other years, where uh, you you may be taking things easy, uh, all of a sudden the Bermuda grass seems to to just move in and take over things and and keep everything fresh and square, and and the Bermuda looks lovely uh, overtaking the zoysia grass. And I think a lot of that has to do too, especially on years where uh, the the zoysia tends to be more disease prone. Uh, you know, the Bermuda is there to fill that void very quickly, right? And so I think that's why, you know, a lot of people would ask me, you know, should I, um, you know, which, which one should I go with? You know, I got both growing in my yard. Which one should I go with? Or it can, can the Bermuda, is the Bermuda eventually going to take over the Zorgia or is the Zorgia eventually going to take over the Bermuda? And in my experience, and again, my experience is not gospel by any stretch of means of the imagination, but what from, I have observed is it's very, um, unpredictable and it is a give and take relationship. Where just some years, uh, the Bermuda does better, and other years the Zoysia does better, and there's no real predictable rhyme or reason. I'm sure maybe if I kept uh, intensive notes on individual properties, I may notice a trend, but uh, I wasn't too keen on doing that. I would I would just tend to follow my eyes. uh, uh, Paul, do you see that a lot in North Carolina too? Kind of that that give and take.
1: There is, I mean, the yards that we've been working on a long time to try to make one type of turf, you know, they're one type of turf, but so many yards you go to for for the first time are, I got some zoysia over here, some Bermuda over here, lots of centipede over there, and there's some fescue in the back. (laughs) Jeez. But usually on those yards, I'll, depending on how much centipede or zoysia is in them, I will try to, spray herbicides on them like they're centipede to keep from blowing the centipede up at one time and fertilize them like they're Bermuda. And sometimes the centipede will just kind of pull back and decline because all the nitrogen go away. And sometimes it'll just get like it's the Hulk, man. It'll just take off and run all over it. So, I mean, yeah, we we see all kinds of mixed yards here.
3: Because uh, it's interesting Paul, because I had dealings with a mixed-up centipede, zoysia, and St. Augustine lawn, and I deliberately smoked the zoysia and St. Augustine in that lawn and kept it 100% centipede. And the reason being is that it was a larger lawn where regular mowing was going to be difficult so my preference was to keep the slower growing turf grass
0: bless your heart ray so man we have seen
1: over the years here ray that centipede is just not performing like it did at one time uh if you've got a place where it wants to be and it it has historically done well it's hard to mess it up i mean probably the least you do to it the better off you are but somewhere where it's uh struggling a touch it's going to keep declining every year i don't care what you do to it the more you do to it the worse it gets
3: that's that's right and, the side
1: and side uh here, quit
3: okay because i i know centipede is the grass that needs to have its environmental niche and if centipede is where it's not happy that's when I actually tell people, scrap it and go with something like St. Augustine. Just scrap it. I mean, don't fight with it. Likewise, I tell people, if their is not happy, lose it. Just lose it. Don't have it. Because, uh, because the thing is, is that otherwise... I have lawns that go through fungicides and nematicides like nobody's business because they're basically zoysia where it's not happy.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could could see that. Well, I think a lot of the problems here too with centipede is in the seventies, eighties centipede was to everybody the greatest grass in the world. And that's what you had to have in your yard. And so back 20, 40, 30 years ago, they put this centipede in the yard and trees have matured. Uh, people have done different stuff to the yard. The true green here hammers uh, centipede with 2,4-D. So they've 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 killed a lot of centipede, but just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not going to perform in the shade and it's not going to perform when you dump the wrong things on it. So I, I think a lot of it is just people have have murdered it over the years and the environment has changed on it.
3: Okay. Okay. That 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 makes total sense uh because to me it's uh yeah, it's a matter of what you do or don't do to it and shading is a factor but even like here Zoisha was pushed as the magic grass because about forty years ago we started having a take all patch epidemic that killed all of the TIF green here in Hawaii. So the fast answer was resod or sprig everything with Zoisha. However, fast forward to now. I guess the uh, nematodes found the zoysia. So that's another roller coaster dealing with that. <laughs> so there's no uh, such thing as seen. a magic grass.
1: No, There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had, uh, there's getting more and more zoysia here. Um, I think the people that are moving away from Centipede are trying zoysia. Uh some have done the, the Raleigh, uh, variant, uh, St. Augustine. And that, that one is not all that successful either. That's another one that if it, if it's found a place where it's performed over the years, it's usually going to do okay. If you just feed it a little bit and can keep the fungus out of it. But I've got one that's on a North facing slope and it's Mm -hmm. that, that St. Augustine, I, I, I'll, it kills just huge patches of it in the winter and i spend the whole summer growing it back in and then you know by august it's looking good again and then over the winter it it, it dies again <laughs> i i told them they're going to keep fighting that i mean it's just not really going to work there And they're like ah just keep doing it I'm like okay
3: keep doing it yeah because uh yeah. <laughs> i i i have ones where i told them whoever sold you this uh You know, $20,000 worth of zoysia sod needs to be brought back here to see what kind of damage and destruction they've wrought. And just so that you know, Paul, $20,000 worth of zoysia sod is about $5,000 here. I mean, it's 5,000 square feet, not including installation.
1: (laughs) I need to. We need a boat, Matt. There's your. There's your new business venture. I know. We Need a really fast boat or a boat with dirt on it, where we could cut the sod oh. right off the boat and come back here. And only know, thing we is, that is that out. you're the brains in this operation.
3: No, only thing is, is that that sod, once it arrives or lands in Hawaii from the continental US, it immediately has to go into a one-year quarantine. So, uh, so much for the, for the easy money, guys. (laughs) Do they screen dope like that when it comes in illegally? We'll
1: just have the legal (laughs) side.
3: Actually, there, there's not even that much, uh, dope here And, and not that kind of dope. I mean, think small little white crystals in plastic baggies. Yeah, here, here we go. Mm. <laughs> here we go. Yep. No, it's just not good for you. It's just not good for you. <laughs> Forget uh, it.
0: <laughs> uh, somebody, I don't know, Paul. You come on here, and all of a sudden, we start getting some crazy questions. Shoot uh, them, well, I can't, I don't see any kind of chat.
1: I'm sitting here on my phone. So, yeah. I know. Here's
0: one. I know we're supposed to be talking about, uh, uh, oh, weed controls, right? But this, this, oh, just yeah. this really grinds my gears right here. Uh, Ryan, Kentucky bluegrass hit it with iron two weeks ago and hitting it with nitrogen at 0. 0.75 pounds, uh, every four weeks. Uh, it, it looks, oh, it looks dull. Oh, oh, oh. Um, and you know, it's, it, I asked how much phosphorus and potassium have been applied and I've, I, you know, we don't, we don't have that answer there, but chances are, uh, if you're, if you're applying that much in without any P and K, that's only sustainable for a small amount of time, uh, depending on what you have in the soil. Right. So, uh, because that, that has to come from somewhere and if it's, if it's not there, then, uh, unfortunately you're, you're going to start to lose performance out of your turf. Here's another one. Um. Oh, where did it go? Where did it go? Oh, uh, does using a non-ionic surfactant with dimension negate its pre-emergent characteristic?
3: No. No, it doesn't. In fact, uh, a little bit of surfactant will help that the appear run into the soil off of the plant leaves, especially if it's a water-based non-ionic surfactant, that'll actually help to get the product into the soil because what I do if I need to have my pre-emergent totally 100% work bulletproof, I actually tank mix my pre with a wetting agent and then hit the irrigation after i'm done spraying
0: yeah there's a there's a couple companies out there that have uh products specific for blending with pre-emergence in order to help uh the the how evenly it distributes across the the soil layer i can't remember exactly the name of the product but um, I remember my rep at Helena used to uh, always recommend that product for whatever whatever it was, and I feel like actually and now that I'm talking about it, Site One had one too uh, that they said would increase the efficacy of the the premergent tube. Was it Hawkeye?
4: Maybe I
0: could be dreaming. About actually, the name of that product
4: Hawkeye is that's their that's their version of Dynamic. That's what uh, oh yeah
3: them. yeah so,
4: yeah. That's, um, how was product you're probably thinking of? I use a lot of it there go. up here. You a big Dithyopere fan? Yeah, I think it works. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Prodiamine as well, but yeah, you got different strokes for different folks. It works. Actually,
3: I have the unique distinction of having, you know, Dithyopere, Prodiamine, and Spectacle all handy and some Runstar. But of and course, the Ronstar Star, is right. only well. But the Ronstar is only applied in flower beds. That's the only place I use the Ronstar.
4: I get to use it on oh, sports. Oh, and films. one
3: more. Oh yeah, and there's one more that I started getting into for the flower beds, and that would be Shoreguard.
1: I, I, I love. SureGuard. I love.
3: SureGuard. Yeah, I love SureGuard. I mean, my my hot mix in the. And the flower beds is SureGuard plus Dyquat.
1: Wow. Yeah, we, we SureGuard and Glyphosate, a lot of flower beds here. But, uh, yeah, it keeps them nope. clean for a while. I
0: was going to ask yeah, for you, you it, Paul, it, mm-hmm. uh, any that you put on Bermuda, do you feel like it delayed uh, the transition to green up?
1: Uh, no, what delayed the transition to green up this year was the weather. Uh, if if uh, if they were irrigated lawns, and I did the because uh, I, I got most of the Bermuda with the Shore Guard and glyphosate or Shore Guard and glufosinate. Uh, I'll I'll alternate those year to year to knock down on glyphosate resistance. Uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't say it delayed the green up, but our Bermuda green up this year is ridiculously delayed. Our warm season grass looks like Fido's rearing in right now. It is awful. Um, we had, if it's not irrigated, if it's irrigated, it's, it's hanging in there. But uh, hell, we had a frost in May. And then right after the frost, it turned. I, I, hell, I don't think it's rained since that frost until now. So, I mean, we had severe drought. We had temperatures climbing up in the 90s for a couple of weeks. And then this past week, it over the weekend, it dropped back down into where it was almost 40s at night. And we, we just have gotten rain here where I'm at today. And, I, I mean, we went weeks without rain. So the, the warm season grass looks awful right now.
2: Yeah,
0: I it, you know we're going through the same same thing here. Finally, when we I guess we got rain uh, a week or so ago, and that was when um, it started to everything started to kind of flush out here in in terms of uh, appearance on warm season turf. Uh, but heaven forbid, you know, it catches a little bit of shade, um, it, especially if it's you know northern shade. Right? Um, it is just boy still. Still has not fully come out of dormancy yet. Um, So, you know, right there with you. I think we've been just a hair bit warmer than you have up to this point. Because when that cold spell came through for us, uh, we got, what was it, J-Pink? We got down into the 50s, I think. I think we were in the upper 50s, as cool as it got. But, I mean, it was cold. Like, it was legit cold.
1: Yeah, uh, we, we, last week, Friday, it was 90 degrees saturday it was in the 50s craziest weather ever.
3: that's insane
1: it's been a weird but spring the, man. back to the shore guard uh it it's a it, it's a great pre-emergent to go with on your bermuda grass because this is a non-root pruner uh it, it seems to have pretty good control on a lot of things right now and that that wintertime application with the shore guard and the non-selective, nice man, it is. I, the Bermuda's clean right now. Some of some of it's still brown, but it's clean. But it's not brown because of the shore guard. But I'm, hopefully, after this week, we'll be we'll be turning it all green. But I, I've been out and fertilized a lot of it just in anticipation of this rain, waiting for it to come out.
0: Yeah, you know, and I've just I've seen in the past where I've you know poorly timed a glyphosate application, and you know I'll have a yard that is, eighty uh, percent dormant when you know a yard next door will be eighty percent out of dormancy, and the only difference was that ill timed, uh, late high rate of glyphosate. You know, you know what I mean. Right. But if if you know you uh, would you would definitely pick
1: I, up. I it. mean, I've I've done that with lots of stuff. Uh, I sprayed atrazine <laughs> on some dormant Bermuda before and it might have been ready at fourth of july but uh uh manor uh if you hit so, some hard at the wrong time with manner when it's trying to transition you'll you'll set it way back and uh monument uh
0: i kind we'll of want to switch over to cool season real quick H- hang on ray uh someone was asking about pgrs on fescue um Paul, what are you, are, have you, did you put any PGR on fescue this year? Did you use a new on any of your fescue? I,
1: I did. I did. I really, that, that application is awesome. Actually, it should be mandatory for a tall fescue in the spring. Uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to continue to uh, regulate my bent grass into the summer and, and feed it pretty heavy, but uh, I'm my fescue, I, once we get into fungus season, I, I don't regulate it anymore. Uh, but in the spring, for nothing else, it's worth the price of admission to regulate that stuff just because it, it just puts the brakes on that crazy surge growth and the turf look. Because, you know, in the spring, it's nothing to uh, come back after a week and the stuff is 24 inches tall. <laughs> and I mean, especially yeah, yep. if it's rained a lot and we're, we're just not getting that with the anew and it, it just looks so much stouter and healthier and thicker because it's not using that energy to shoot that grass straight up and it 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 does uh it does a varying job on knocking poa trivialis back i, I can spray it on one yard and it'll turn the poa trivialis brown and make it but i mean it still looks like crap you got a big brown dead looking wad in the yard but poa annua it it It'll take Poa. I mean, it 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 doesn't kill it, kill it. I mean, it's coming back next year, all that kind of stuff. But it's the best tool I found to suppress that Poa annual, where it's not visible in a fescue yard. It, it's amazing.
3: Does it stop um, the it, seed head uh, formation
1: on the on the poe annual? It, it's not labeled to suppress a seed head, Ray. But it you don't see I mean, anymore. You don't see the flowering. If you get it, if you time it out right, if you get it early enough before they start flowering, you'll never see them, mm-hmm. basically. But if you because wait till the, they're mature, it looks like you've hit them with a herbicide. They'll brown out on the top and carcasses will be sitting up there, basically. Right. And and they'll right. eventually go away.
3: So it's, so it's like it uh, just keeps it so short that it's no longer sticking up in your face. That's basically exactly. what the ANU is doing. All right. Exactly. And the you just know, the you
0: uh know. I, I was just gonna say you know, in terms of, of the different PGRs, uh, you know, I uh I can only really give uh ad, advice on what I have seen from Tall fescue and uh pack. I've never had a successful uh spring PGR program with T-NEX unless you are getting out there really early, like really early and get and letting it come out of, uh, regulation really early as well too, prior to disease season. Um,
1: well, the yeah, new seems and to have just a little been softer control, Matt, the new seems to have a little softer control and it, it'll, it'll kind of gradually hold it back. The first week, the suppression is not as good as it is the second and third week. The second and third week, you'll come back and mow and just barely take anything off of it. The first week you come back, you'll take a fair amount off. But, you know, if you're collecting, you know, whereas when you collected an unregulated yard, you take, you know, 20 hoppers off of it. You come back the second week, the first week after you sprayed it, and you might take seven hoppers off of it. You'll come back the second week and you might take two hoppers off of it. You'll come back the third week and you can't even fill a hopper up. But it, 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 it like with Tenaxapak, the minute it comes off of that regulation, it's like somebody unkinked a garden hose and all of a sudden you've got 24 inch tall grass again. But it's not like that with the new, it comes out very softly. So, uh, yeah. That, it's a- it's just a win on fescue. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I've used it on Bermuda, too. It 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 It's not. It won't regulate Bermuda as strong as it will fescue, but it will keep it down and keep it tight. It's fantastic on bent grass. keeps bent grass tight.
0: Ryan, have you Actually, used much T-necks on uh, tall fescue?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, what you're saying about the spring, it's tough just because the fact that, You know, even with your growing degree days, you know, here in Ohio, now it might be a little bit different down there where you and Paul are, but, you know, for a lawn care operator, it's almost impossible to stay in front of like what Paul's talking about, stay in front of that rebound, right? Like you're just yo-yoing the grass all through the spring and then disease season Mm -hmm. hits. And so either you're over-regulated and you've stacked apps, right? And you've probably lost money on that property, at least starting out. And then you got to go back and chase the disease because it's under regulation because you stacked your apps, kept up with it. Now you're getting your ass kicked by disease, right? Or you do the opposite, right? You're like, well, I'm going to come back here in four weeks. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to come back here in four weeks and do it again. And you're just outside that rebound every time. You're in the rebound. You're riding that wave, juiced up, going into disease season, and you're still going to kick yourself. So it's really, really difficult to thread the needle. You know, that product, you know, it's been adopted in the lawn care market and even in sports fields, and it does a good job if you can stay there. And I think that's the thing with golf is, like, you know you're there you're on the property right if you think you're coming out of regulation and you're either calculating growing degree days you're managing clipping volumes whatever the case might be it's real easy to just say hey guess what tomorrow we got to spray it ain't like that in your world right like you can't just be like hey i'm gonna go do you know this side of town today because i think i'm coming out of regulation over there on all those tail fescue yards just doesn't work that way so i think that's the trap right and i and i agree with paul that you know, if you look at the curve, and I'm trying to find them so I can shen- send them over to JPinky, Pinky, throw them up on the screen. But, um, you know, the amplitude, right, to so the top of that curve is much higher with Primo, right, in terms of how much regulation we get. You know, at the high rate, upwards of seventy plus percent, whereas a new at the high rate, we might get like fifty percent regulation, right. But to his point, that curve goes up and it comes down a lot quicker. With Primo versus a new, it's a much softer and more gradual, right? So you've got some time to ride that out. And I think in that case, like it's a much more forgiving product for homeowners, lawn care folks, um, you know, parks and rec and the sports turf folks in K-12 schools I deal with that just don't have the ability to say, hey, we're going to go spray tomorrow. Like it's just, you, you don't live in that world of the here and now, right? You've got to schedule that out and have a little bit of forgiveness built into that schedule and notwithstanding the fact that just what you guys talked about, this spring has been a real shit kicker, you know, in terms of weather. I mean, we've been up, we've been down, we've had, you know, here, we had 90 plus degree temperatures for a long stretch in April. We had frost on mother's day, you know, it's been all over the map. So I think any, anybody's going to look like a fool this spring in terms of, you know, what's the old Mike Tyson quote. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. This, you know, it hasn't Mm -hmm. been a punch in the mouth, but it's just been like, you know, okay, I'm expecting, you know, I'm going to apply this product at this time and I'm going to get this result because the weather should be, you know, X, Y, and Z hasn't come to pass. Right. So I think that is, you know, if you're a lawn care operator now, anywhere from the mid-south all the way clear up here to the Midwest, it's all about, okay, I know what I was planning on doing and I know what I plan for the turf to be like right now, but I really do need to assess especially properties that you have prior history on is looking at, okay, my worst ones, like where am I really at right now on my worst properties? You know, what's the worst thing can happen and let's go ahead and reforecast and recalibrate on what we're going to do for the next three months. Cause it's going to be critical, right? The turf is not where you think it sh- should be right now in most cases. And so I think that's the real take home for me right now that's what i'm doing right now um with all my clients is like we should be here right are we really here are we further ahead are we further behind and what do we need to adjust right uh because tyson stand across from us you know like i said it's going about about to get hot wet it's going to get deep here pretty quick and if we're not prepared you know it, it could get ugly pretty quick so um yeah so on tall fescue back to the question have seen really good luck with it if you can stay up with it right that's the key thing is if you can stay on that um that gdd and not stack those apps and get too close together or not spread them too far apart and like i said you're just yo-yoing the turf back and forth between regulation and rebound and that's not a good way to to try and grow grass especially in the spring leading into a hot summer do you
2: feel
4: like uh, you
0: get How do you feel about bronzing on tall fescue with uh, with trim pack?
4: It doesn't bother me. I mean, there's things, you know, the people that will use, you know, ferrous ammonium, sulfate, irons, things like that, in terms of uh, trying to mask that to a certain extent. You can mask it. I mean, honestly, some of the things we've done on certain athletic fields here for spring play, like we're really trying to control mowing and keep that playability up and we're afraid of any of that bronzing, We won't even use anything like iron to try and trick the grass. We'll just use paint. I mean, we'll go ahead and and cut some paint in there, try and give us some good color um, and maintain that and not really worry about it because one, it doesn't affect us uh, physiologically in the plant. Like we don't have any negative effects from that, notwithstanding the fact that we also get that darkened color. So we're drawing down some more heat and we usually see some uh, improved effects right from that, that part of it. So it doesn't bother me. I mean, the thing that scares me more, and I've seen some bad stuff happen, and I know you played around with it last year, is Paclo. If you bronze some stuff with Paclo, mm-hmm. like if you get a little bit of frost or even some cold temps with Paclo, and your bronze, bronze might turn to straw real quick. Like You ain't going to kill it, but it's going to be really, really, really unhappy for a long time. And if you, <sighs> if any of you all have ever worked at the golf courses on cool season and ever had the uh, distinct pleasure to use Embark with Fluidide, that's some fun stuff to play with. You can't even buy that stuff anymore, but that was for po- seed head suppression. I'm not kidding you. You could spray greens, you'd have zero seed heads. I mean, like almost nothing. But however, you go, go mow greens. <laughs> however, you could go mow greens for thirty to forty days in the spring, and you could not change your baskets on your greens mower for those thirty or forty days. You could just let it ride. That you'd have dust, you know, in the bottom of the buckets. That'd be it there would be no growth whatsoever, like none. So, yeah, yep. I mean, growth regulators in the spring are an interesting proposition. I love Paul's approach. I think it's a fantastic way, especially in his uh, area, right, where the one thing he mentioned there that is undersold on this is the pre-stress conditioning, right? So this, is, this was the selling point years and years ago to golf course supers with uh, Trinex Impact, Um particularly on bent grass, and really it translates over to any cool season grass um, across the board, is the fact that in spring, the energy consumption that you're going through. So right, so we we look at that growth curve of roots, right? We've got big roots that are coming into spring, right? And we're in a root development period. We're going to chew through all that in the summertime, right? So anything that we can do to not force growth with excess nitrogen, to not consume extra, extra carbohydrates, right? In the springtime, that's going to preserve roots and really that's all you're living by and living on in the summertime, right? It's just roots, you know, the top growth and whatever you have up on top is a direct reflection of how well you did the previous fall and cool season going in through the winter into the following spring, right? That's a direct reflection. Summer is just showtime. That's what we always say. Growing season starts on labor day, for cool season grass and showtime is summertime, June, July, and August. And you'll see how good you did in those preceding six to eight months. And so, like I said, I love his approach where he's trying to do everything he can, Paul, you know, to, and I think that's what it's after. You know, like you said, suppressing growth so you're not going through that big surge, right? And that's a pain right. in the butt if you're a mowing contractor, but not withstanding. Right. Cause I mean, you know, of, all that
1: energy that's burning, shooting that huge top growth out is putting it down in the roots. So I, exactly, I, it's the, the, it's just a win win application. It's got so many pluses to it. And then the POA control is just a, That's what, that's what's so sexy to most people, but that's just the extra to me. I'm more interested in how it's uh, preparing me for that It's well. One is keeping me from mowing that grass with a horrible mow if I'm the one mowing it or if other guys are mowing, and the other mowing companies that mow the ones I tend, I don't even uh, even want to get into all that. Some of them are great and some of them, yeah, need to go see if they can get a job at greeter at Walmart or something. But uh, yep. there is nothing bad about that uh, A new application on fescue in the spring for at least two months worth of it just to get you through that, that horrible surge growth time. And then, then have it where when you're going, you want it, I want mine to fall, it'll last three to four weeks. And on want to time that last application where it's falling off of that fourth week on May 15th.
4: Yeah, and here it's probably yep. about two weeks, three weeks later, and you're dead on. That's, that's about the timing. And same thing, I'll, I'll say this real quick too, right before you jump in here, is Kentucky bluegrass, same deal. Mm-hmm. you know. And the, the added uh, you know, energy suck that you have there is seed head, right? So when when our Kentucky bluegrass starts to seed, that is a huge suck of energy, and that's also a good kind of pinpoint time to go ahead. And if you're trying to time up that spring nitrogen application, And again, it's different in lawn care, but if it were me, I'd be loading all that stuff up in the fall, right? And I'm going to be liquid only, you know, small, small um, rates early in the spring just to kind of bump things along. But first granular application is not going down until I begin to see seed heads, right? And if I'm under good growth regulation program, then I know that one, come out on rebound, And the grass is going to want to want to try and grow a little bit. But if there's no fertilizer there, I'm going to be screwed. So it's a good time to kind of balance out your N apps, right? To target that rebound and get yourself into summer. So you're not juiced up, but you're healthy. You're healthy and you have a good root system. And so that's, it's a delicate balance. And especially in a year like this, you could look like an asshole real easy. I'm I'm sure (laughs) I'll have several places that I'll look like an asshole. There's no doubt where, you know, you missed it you know by a week or a few days and it's just it's that slim sometimes if you're trying to manage on the edge but i don't know ray what do you think i mean it's uh cool season's a different world but you know a lot about it what do you think about what we're talking about
3: well i totally agree with the idea and the practice of diverting energy back into the roots because i do the same thing because i don't necessarily fight Temperatures so much as I fight shade. And with PGR, what happens when you try to grow a warm season grass and it's not getting enough sun? The PGR just helps me tremendously because the grass stops stretching out, trying to get sun that it's not going to get, and it's not burning up energy, making that tall. Lanky top growth. So, what I do with the lawns that are, you know, shaded is I use a new on them. And then I also add two different PGRs to the new to basically maintain them on the equivalent of at least 400 GDD worth of regulation. And in my area, Four hundred GDD is like thirty days.
4: Four hundred, man. Yeah, you can ride that out cameras a little bit out. longer out there. Whose camera's out? Yeah. For- oh, Matthew. Yeah. Matt. Oh, yeah. Four no,
2: hundred.
3: Yeah.
4: It saw that. It, it, yeah. it violated you for that third button rule.
3: Yep. Yep. But, but you're, about, you're about two buttons
4: away from. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I was gonna and say you're two buttons away I from that realize. happy trail, dog. Ah, I'm back.
0: I'm back. I'm back. I don't. I have yeah, no right there he is. Is left on this
2: battery.
1: I can't find my battery. difficulties. I,
3: it's
0: yeah, all right. But, I'll hang uh, down here in
3: the darkness. I don't mind. Yeah, but what? But what I do is I use different, you know, ratios of the uh three PGRs because. In warm season grass, a new kicks in quickly, but it also comes out of regulation really fast. So what I do is, depending on the time of the year, I add more cutlass if I need it to stretch out longer, or I actually switch to more tranexapac during the winter months because i know that trinexapac will last long enough for me from november until april so what i'm doing is i'm basically taking advantage of how the cooler temperatures are already slowing down the grass but at the same time i still need the regulation to keep the grass from overgrowing and stretching so i'm playing kind of a balancing act too whereas i want to back off on the cutlass in the winter because it's not hard to overregulate with cutlass because cutlass is just one step under pack low as far as how severely it'll regulate something
4: right it's an early ga and so that's the one thing too on I think for homeowners and even lawn care operators, those two are a little undersold now when I say that, meaning Anu and Fupimidol are cutless, right? Because they're they're so forgiving in terms of the amplitude and the length of their response and their growth regulation properties, right? That being Mm -hmm. said, you can get yourself into problems. So like, you know, in Paul's case, right? If you don't know how much Poa Anya is in that yard, you could have a problem, <laughs> you know, and we've seen this with with golf course superintendents, especially we've seen this with sports field managers where you go in there and you think, ah, what, Yeah, maybe 10 percent. You know, this is what I see but down in that can is another is yep. another 15, 20 percent. And you go out there and you spray that shit and it is like, oh, boy. Oh boy, you know you're if, if you're on because, a if you're on a on a sports field, it's it's hey, we got any ryegrass back there? Let's go ahead and pre-germ that and get that out there like now. No,
3: yeah, <laughs> because uh, true or false, uh, Ryan Cutlass's main selling point is to smoke poa
4: on yeah, a golf green that's, or a, on a golf green. It's it's very strong as a as a poa suppressant, right? And the whole point, just like a, another. Right, early GA or a class two, class class two, yeah, class two, uh PGR Class two, is, class two it, yes. Yep. Is um yeah, the same as, as uh Paclo, right? Is that you get that suppression mm-hmm. factor. And it's just like Paul said, like the whole point, and this is why it's tough in fesculons, and this is probably Paul why you see the stuff just come back like the prize fighter, you know, going back to the Mike Tyson thing, you eight count that guy, he's gonna get up and just whale on your ass right like he ain't gonna care and that's what poa is but with creeping grasses right so if we've got you know kentucky bluegrass with rhizomes if we've got bank grass with stolons or some other grass that can compete the whole idea is is it uses the heat of the summer with those products right so that you ding them up so hard that they have no ability zero ability to compete and then you push your desirable grasses so I think there's some, you know, there's some upside and some downside with those. And i the other downside too, from a lawn care operator, homeowner's perspective is cost. Like they're not cheap. is cheap, but man, that's, that's one that I would be very, very uh, restrained with if I was thinking about this as a homeowner or even a lawn care operator, because there's another host of issues with that and the way that it, it attacks um, Poa Anya. Right. So POA is in the same family as POA pretenses, Kentucky bluegrass. And I've seen this firsthand. I've smoked some Kentucky bluegrass. Right. With, uh, trim it or paclobutrazole. Right. So I I can remember, uh, one of the, the last golf course I worked on, we had brand new golf course T tops were bent grass and that's what we were spraying. That was our target. But we had sodded perimeters like they had sodded two strips of, um, sod right around the T tops just for erosion control and stuff like that. Seeded outside of that with some different cultivars, you know, we would go out and spray that stuff. And over the summertime, again, it's more of those stacked applications, right? It's a cumulative effect and that's what you see on the poa too, in terms of discouraging it. But even on your desirable grasses, our sod, we had picture frames of dead grass right around our tees, right? Or those particular cultivars of Kentucky bluegrass were not tolerant of Paclibrutrazole. Outside of that, on the, you know, the seeded areas with different cultivars, totally fine. And so you, and you see this too, and and this is a whole nother topic, but um, not a whole nother topic, but it gets really, really specific when you get into different cultivars. And if you know what you have and what you're working with, versus if you roll up on a line, you don't necessarily know what's there or what you're dealing with. In either situation, you get yourself into trouble because certain cultivars and biotypes and things like that react differently to these, um, these chemicals. And it's, I don't want to say it's a crap shoot, but you got to be careful and don't put yourself in a bad situation. So again, slice that all down, boil it all down. Whatever you want to say is a new is a great starting point. It really is. Um, it's forgiving. See, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's kind of like if you're checking, you know, if you're doing the little, you know, golf scorecard, you're under par you're in a good spot when you do all the math there and figure out "Eh, you know what this is probably a good place to start nothing wrong with your next impact nothing wrong with primo right um but if i was going to start something i would probably start with a new and graduate to something else and go from there
1: there's a generic version of a new available now too i'm not sure if it has a turf label though but i had seen some (laughs) i don't think it's got a turf label I'm not sure. It, it might. I mean, I mean, is a residential label, it, it might be a golf product, but there is a a, a no name brand uh, version of it out there now. Uh,
0: yeah. Somebody said Hall's it was five hundred and fifty dollars a bag. Uh, I'm looking on Winfield's uh, website right Ooh. now, and uh, it's a, it's one
1: hundred so, uh, and twenty five dollars. So, new... new one and a half pound bags are about one hundred and fifteen dollars, something like that. Yeah, one hundred and seventeen dollars, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And this other what thing rate are is you using, Paul? A pound.
4: Oh, you're using the in pound, I
1: mean, yeah. Uh, uh, well, on on you a pound an acre, and uh, on bent grass a little less, and on bent grass in the summer even a little a, a slightly lower rate.
4: So ninety ish, ninety ish an acre. That's not bad.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, that's, that's like pretty. But uh, that's, yeah, it's less than that. It's less than that. Um, and the the generic is not that much cheaper. I think it's seventy some dollars a pound, and the new is going to be up in the eighties a pound. I think, if I'm mathing right, thinking right. So it's it's, it's not as I mean it's not that big of a difference in price. Mm-hmm.
3: But, what you, a, but what you what like, you get out of it? Yeah. What you hey, get it's, out of it it's too, all, it's Paul. Worth,
1: it's worth a hundred dollars an acre all day long to put that out for certain. <laughs> for certain. Especially if you're gonna well, buy that stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because I tell my customers the difference between me using a PGR on their turf and not using a PGR on their turf is literally uh if I don't do a PGR on your lawn, you folks had better uh Give me a place to park and you better open up the other half of your house so I can live there and mow your lawn every day before I go out to do before I go out to see the rest of my customers <laughs>
2: Anybody
3: because take up on that's that? how much they tell me go ahead and uh, put on whatever PGr I need to to control their grass so that it doesn't require as much mowing nobody's willing to take me up
4: you need to start do offering that program in the uh, the single hot ladies neighborhoods. That's what I would be doing. <laughs> Unfortunately, lawn li- care. yes, but I'll live here and take care of your lawn.
3: <laughs> yeah. Only thing is, Ryan is the single women here as a rule, uh do not live on you know quarter acre or half acre properties they're all in uh, condos in downtown Honolulu or Waikiki oh uh, well, yeah a man can dream yeah
4: man can man can, dream. So, My, yeah, man know, can, man can dream
3: yeah, because uh, usually uh, the hot women also have the middle age to elderly husband with them and uh i don't want to make the six o'clock news <laughs> not for that <laughs> not for that
4: are,
1: something that a lot of people are probably gearing up to experience is uh fungicide applications i know here now that we're we're finally starting to get the humidity up and a little moisture and all i don't I don't feel like we had very much pressure as usual in May. We had some hot weather, but the the air was super dry. And I think I think you get I think you get more problems on the brown patch front when you have that humidity in the air versus just a rain. I don't I don't I don't really see huge problems after just a rain event and then drying out. It's more when you have that prolonged humidity here, and I I feel like that's that's coming this time anyway. But uh, what are what are you guys' thoughts on some of your fungicide strategies for tall fescue?
3: Okay, I'll let Ryan go
0: first. <laughs> how, yeah, how much money do you want to spend first? Uh, exactly. Uh, well, we can we it. can go from eight hundred dollars an after acre to.
1: Preventatively. I mean, I, I can't put something out. I can't be preventively treating pythium, preventively treating brown patch, preventively treating gray leaf spot. Because, I mean, a gray leaf spot was damn awful here last year. It, it wiped out way more grass than brown patch. And I, I don't know that i actually seen a lot of pythium. I think we saw some stuff that we might have thought was pythium that was gray leaf spot. But gray leaf spot was terrible. And I, I, I think I've got a plan for that laid out this year. But I mean, I, I can't go preventively spraying for, you know, Pythium, brown patch, and gray leaf spot because it's all going to take a little something different. And
4: so, I mean, the, the budget is. Well, so here's, here's what you got to decide, right? What's, what's what's the baddest MF you're going to deal with, right? What do you not want to have to explain to a customer? Is it the gray leaf spot damage, the Pythium damage, or the brown <laughs> patch damage? That's number one. Because you're going to have to lay out for somebody, not you know, it's all about expectation setting, and I get it. Like people want it perfect, and they don't want to pay a dime, right? Extra, but if you <laughs> you the professional down there, what is your biggest issue, worry, concern, right between those three, right?
1: Right. Well, I feel like our I mean, brown patch is going to be around, but I feel like our newer cultivars were are selecting. And I've are, are more brown patch resistant than ever. But I'm still mm-hmm. gonna have to treat for that because the pressure is off the rails here. So my mm-hmm. strategy this year is I'm I'm probably well in May I went out with a straight DMI at full rate. This month I'm gonna combine uh DMI and a Lauren. And next month I'm probably gonna I'm either gonna combine DMI, strobe lauren and something like a Clarys, uh to uh maybe get in a because I usually don't see the Grey Leaf Spot till later in the summer. So I mean that that's kinda kinda how I'm gonna try to roll with that. Yeah, the Great Leaf Spot maybe... is
0: uh is kinda creeping up in the September to October time frame, isn't it? I was reading the NC state turf file on it. And I think, I think that was when y'all were having the big issue. It was, it was like, Uh,
1: we started seeing the damage in the, we started seeing some grass start to show signs in late, late, late July and really serious damage on toward the end of August. First part of September, which was kind of a blessing because it was getting sort of time to recede. We didn't recede them until October this year. Like, Mid, I, I mean, we started a little toward the uh, second week of October, maybe, and finished up the first week of November, something like that. But, uh, and, and had a, had a uh, back in the weather, had a terrible season, seeding season. The reseeds looked terrible all, all winter, they looked terrible, and it rained all winter, it was cool all winter, and they looked awful. And uh yeah. I came through with the first <laughs> fertility round uh for preparing for spring and they all just took off like all of them were tens. They looked amazing. And now they're drying up.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: You know, Paul, uh what I don't see in your, your program is what I know as the S D H I fungicides. Because if say, you're
4: you know.
3: yeah, because if your gray leaf spot is anything like the gray leaf spot that I see on what people get when they sod Saint Augustine between December and April here in Hawaii, because you know what happens to Saint Augustine that gets sodded at that time of the year? The sod rots down to the. Yeah. Yeah, no, and the sod gets rotten down to the ground with gray leaf spot. The gray leaf spot just comes in and kills it. So what I do in that case is even preventatively, I'll apply a gallon of something called Exteris stress guard per acre to something like that. And that Will even curatively control gray leaf spot, and that is not a cost prohibitive application because a gallon of Exteris is only about a hundred dollars per acre. That's no, not a real
0: I'll, in, in that class horrible I'll just cost. Highlight some of the other names you'll hear there: Zemplar, uh, Lexicon. Uh, Prostar, uh, Calista, Kabuto, uh, uh, all of those are the uh, the uh, SDHI SDHIs.
4: So yeah, I look at I look at Paul uh, Valista for sure. It's you know if Exterus is one that um, you're you're combining a strobe with an SDHI. It's also got the Stress Guard pigment thing in there, so like you get a little you know feel good of of getting some green color out there with it right it's it's pretty good so at the rate Ray's mentioning yeah I'm, I'm just checking the math here real quick on a hundred bucks yeah so you're 115 bucks an acre uh at the low rate 230 at the high rate so um a fantastic product just because you're getting kind of the best of both worlds there with an SDHI and a in one package right so then so I could just um, run
1: that Alone, and don't have to run anything side by side. We you don't have, have to run, to run that yep. in these later summer applications.
4: So then, ke- yeah, and keep and keep your hold back the triple three six right. Hold back the thiophenate because you want that one in the barn ready to go for your gray leaf spot in case you need it. Right, it's not going to be super great on brown patches. It is either as a preventative or a knockdown to be okay. But um, the other thing, the list is fairly of the SDHI. is fairly inexpensive and has a little bit better. Activity here um, on your brown patch, so just something to consider there of incorporating that uh, class of chemistry in there. The other thing too, and you know we see it up here all the time, and I'm sure it's an issue. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know in the Carolinas on tall fescue, but here on um, golf courses and things like that, thiophenate methyl resistance is a big deal. Like you, there are people that get hammered every year and they're scratching their head and saying, man, you know, I went out there, you know, for, you know, especially on golf courses, it's uh, basal rot rotten thracnos on POA annua greens. Right. And they're like, Oh man, I, I went out there. I did the, you know, the, the same program that, you know, was recommended, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll go and they'll put those isolates. So they'll take that at the disease lab, right. You send it to NC state wreck or something like that. They'll isolate it out and they'll put yours against an untreated check right and they'll put um the thiophenate in there with it and you'll see the stuff that is on your thiophenate resistant turf just blow up right it'll blow up with mycelium and and, uh, fruiting structures of that fungus whereas the other stuff won't that's not resistant to it so it is a big deal and i know that with it being a crutch and a go-to for a lot of folks down there, it could be that even if, if it's a lawn that you haven't treated before, you roll up on there and somebody has just went hog wild with it for years and years and years, it definitely could be an issue. And so I always caution people of, you know, if you've got a lawn that's been a problem like that, particularly with, um, you know, whether it be gray leaf spot disease, or something like that. Any it's kind of just, disease. Yeah. It's, it's it's worth sending it over there to, to Kearns and the boys over there at NC State and just saying, hey, can you check this right? Like it, it, it's worth the, you know, a couple hundred bucks that that's going to cost you in terms of product aggravation, planning, all those things, right. That you can then say, you know what? I'm not going to spray that stuff there because it ain't going to do anything. So just another like management strategy kind of thing of, if you've got ones that you're banging your head against the wall, it's like, well, maybe I'll check this out and just do you know, verify if this is an issue or not.
1: Right. Well, well, started. what I, yeah, what, well, what I do, the, uh, what, yeah. what about
4: well, the
3: what uh, I also mm. Okay. Mm. Paul, you got a question
4: about phosphites. I'll talk to you about phosphates in a second. Ray, you go ahead, and then I'll jump in on phosphates. My, I, it just moved. Okay, a little bit. I, I just felt it. I felt yeah. it.
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: because what
3: I, what, what my general policy is is that whatever is popular. With the lawn guys, I don't use it. (laughs) And that applies to both insecticides and fungicides. I don't use it because chances are they're misusing or misapplying that product. And so when I come across that same problem in the neighborhood, Chances are, even if I were to properly apply that product, uh, I'm going to be faced with an a pest or a pathogen that is resistant. So that's why, for example, I love Exteris because nobody uses it outside of the golf course. That's why I love things like Lexicon. Nobody uses it outside of the golf course. Lexi- and, uh,
4: 'Cause it's expensive yeah, as well. Ryan... Yeah. <laughs> oh. Now okay, now Paul, 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 what if I told you now listen, I use it I cause it the you know, hey, listen, it's like a good horse it lawyer. It's expensive because the shit works, right? But um <laughs> if I Paul, if I if I had to have you ask a uh, customer to do a five hundred dollar an acre application, what do you think the uh what do you think the buy in would be? What would your conversion rate be on something like that?
1: I mean, I've got some that might spring for what I would have to charge for something that cost me $500 an acre, but not many. Yeah, but that's the other problem here. Most of our yards are big. I mean, I I don't know how large a properties Ray is dealing with in Hawaii, but I mean, it's nothing for me to have a two acre yard, a three acre yard, a five acre yard. And these, these, I mean that that's a big hit for somebody to go in there and charge them to do that.
3: However, yeah, Paul, when
0: you've got $2500 in just material costs alone, you know, and 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 right. billing that yeah. to a customer he had, like, "Hey, I got I you sod for it. 30 days, it's going to cost <laughs> 7500 bucks, but I
3: got you for 30 we can, days."
1: We can kill it and I can go sod it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: But the, but on the other hand, ahead. replacement cost, okay? I always look in terms of what is it actually going to cost if this lawn, you know, shits the bid, and you got to replace it? I mean, and who is going to pay for that replacement? Because, in my case, did I tell you how much sod costs, Paul? Guess how much you
1: did. It's 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 less four dollars a uh, hundred and eighty dollars for four hundred square feet here. So, uh, and that's just if well, you're just buying what- one pallet. If you go into Sp- I mean, I'm pretty Scar- sure on a big yard I could get it down to hundred and fifty dollars a pallet on certain varieties.
4: Let's However, just say this, Race. Scarface could come in and play clear of the mirror in Hawaii cheaper than he could sod his freaking yard. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just- <laughs> exactly exactly. But then
3: even if sod were dirt dirt cheap, consider the disruption to your customers' Life, because hey, now it's dirt until the grass gets replanted, right? Now it's patchy, ugly dirt, and even if, like, for example, somebody had Bermuda seed, it's patchy, ugly dirt until it gets fixed, so I keep that in mind. Because it's not only the sod, how does that sod get off the pallet, get on the ground, be laid out so that it is mowable when you're done laying it out? Because that's the other thing, too, It's like I, I consider all costs associated with deaths from disease or insects, all costs are factored in, all of them. Because uh by the way, you know that four dollars a square foot for it to be installed and top dressed and leveled so that it's mobile after installation, that four dollar a square foot saw just turned into eight dollars a square foot in my case. Oh. I
1: was just I was just so thinking it's... I would I would I would pay good money. To just be a fly on the wall and listen to Ray's conversations with his customers and uh, <laughs> how they react. And <laughs> with, no, they, with, they, just, they uh, actually... Oh, it's, it's... Dropping all this on them.
3: No, because, Paul, I have people that have literally told me, Hey, I spent $50,000 on, on Sod. Uh, I don't want it to die.
1: I, I, they bring I, it up with... See. Definitely, where you're coming from at those prices. You know,
3: they bring it, they bring it up. In other words, what they're telling me is, uh, "Man, you better not f it up." <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, uh,
1: that's, that's yeah. what it comes
2: down, down to, right? It's like
1: when you're dealing with uh, that kind of price on the materials. That's for sure.
3: Or, or oh, even oh, for I love, these, people I love those with, ones. Yeah, and or even with these people with smaller properties, they still tell me that okay this is only ten thousand dollars worth of sod in front of you but i had a hard time coming up with that money don't f it up
4: (laughs) (laughs) you know that's that's the truth is that's that's how you sell it too is like this is insurance right like this is insurance especially you know when i'm looking at this or i'm talking to clients and it's you know we're, we're five figures six figures it's this is everything that can go right but here's everything that can go wrong. And here are the ways, you know, X, Y, and Z that we mitigate that. Here's all the costs associated with that. You accept your own risk tolerance, right? As the client, I'm I'm going to lay it all out for you of what can happen, right? Relative to what you're willing to spend. And just like Ray, I don't sugarcoat anything. I'm here to tell you the truth, right? And I th- I think, <laughs> you know, I think that's where whether they don't know, or they're not not willing to tell the truth. I've seen so many, I mean, any, any walk of turf, right? Sports turf managers, golf course superintendents, lawn care operators get themselves into the trouble because they can't, won't, or don't tell the truth, right? And they don't communicate forward to say like, hey, there's some bad stuff that might happen here and here's how we're going to manage around that. And here is what it's going to cost to do that, right? And so to Ray's point, you know, we always talk about ROI, right? Return on investment, right? That's a really, really big thing. I always talk to my clients about CUI, right? So the cost of inaction, right? If you don't do this, right? If we don't make this, to Matt's point, $7,500 treatment and the whole yard, you know, shits the bed, where are we at, right? It's not just money at this point. It's time, right? Are we going to be too late in the season to, you know, re-sprig or this? your yard? Is it going to be, right? I mean, it, it, it's not just a function of money all the time. So, and I get it, like, you know joe Sixpack, who lives on main street might not care and that's all good like i get it but it's always that risk profile of what somebody's want to accept one thing i wanted to show real quick Pink, cue it up here this is a really interesting photo so this is lexicon this is the one that matt was talking about ray was talking about so the big thing that they discovered here uh, with this product they first discovered this in um potted uh annuals and um different ornamental plants, right? So this is a mix of a strobularin and an SDHI. And what it does, what you're looking at here, so scroll up, J-Pink, so you can see both like the top and the bottom of the photo. So up on the top, these are sprigs, and these are about, uh, I think, like seven, eight weeks old, being mowed on a green. This is in Pinehurst, North Carolina. And on top, these sprigs were pre-treated before they were harvested with lexicon. The bottom were not right? So there's some type of, and they still haven't figured out exactly what it is, particularly in turf. Like they've really worked hard on it in the potting plants and things like that. But, um, there is this synergistic effect that you see if you pre-treat those sprigs with this stuff or even come back one week after. So if we're getting ready to do a sprig project up here and we're going to do, uh, this lexicon treatment one week after sprigging and do a couple knockout plots, just, you know, untreated checks just to see if there's a difference there. But, I'm very interested to see this in action. I've got a lot of feedback from different folks all over the Southeast and Mid-South that this is the real deal. Like this is legit that you do gain an advantage by making this $500 an acre app. Right. And so for me on a football field, that's, you know, two acres. Hey, what's a thousand bucks between friends. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, and the same thing, it's always just, it's laying it out. Hey, thousand dollar insurance policy that we might gain, you know, three, four, five days, 10 days of, of better growing conditions, drop of the bucket. Let's do it. Right. Different stakes, different risk profiles, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. You know, and you think about it from a sports turf perspective too, you know, you increase your speed of establishment by two weeks, three weeks. Well, how many additional games do you get to have on that field over that time period? How much additional uh, revenue generated over that time period? Do you, do you get to capitalize on right where
4: absolutely it's,
0: a little bit, little bit different in the lawn care world where, you know, you fight mm-hmm. that battle of, okay, we're going to get it established two or three weeks faster. Uh, what's your ROI on that? Not I a don't know. motherfucking thing, you know? So, uh,
2: <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs>
4: That's why you got three different people on this show.
3: Exactly.
0: Exactly. Uh,
4: perspectives, right? Perspectives. Right.
3: Perspective. Yeah. You know, we'll, so, we'll give you a lot of perspective. <laughs>
4: No, we 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 most certainly will wait till the after show because we'll get even more perspective there. All right, so you <laughs> wanted to talk about phosphites. Phosphites. Um yes. absolutely great tool. There's there's in my mind, especially in your neck of the woods, there's zero reason to not have them in the tank every single time through the summertime. Now I'll let Matt maybe dive in I'll, first. I'll just talk. You know, for for the folks listening at home, you know, it, it is a a physical impediment, right? So there are enzymes uh, inside the plant and inside the pathogen of pythium, right? That will bind together and then create that infection center. And then it spreads from there. What the phosphite does is physically block the enzyme on the plant side so that the infection, you know, the pathogen can't get in there. So, you know, there's different strokes for different folks in terms of the, the quality and the build on these products. Maybe Matt, you can talk a little bit about that in terms of what's out there in the marketplace um, of different ones being sold right now.
2: I, well,
0: I, no, I'm not going to get into too much specifics because then you're really getting into the, the weeds of chemistry. Right. Um, and the stability of the product over, uh, over a period of time. Right. Because there's a certain amount of degradation that occurs with the product after uh, the, the date of manufacturer. Right. So, that's kind of one piece of it you have to keep in the background then also to um how it plays with other components if you are going to use it in a tank mix as well right uh because i'll tell you f- phosphites are very reactive right so we're talking about something that um you, you the two raw materials you're working with are potassium hydroxide and phosphorus acid you're reacting those two right and uh and that's what generates a potassium phosphite. and you, somebody just said right here does phosphite provide p and k no it only provides k uh the phosphorus in phosphites is not plant available uh and the the length of time it would take for that phosphorus to become uh a a usable form uh, is just it, it is not an applicable way to apply phosphorus in terms of applying potassium uh yes it can but typically at the rates you would have to apply to use it as a potassium supplement, you'd probably salt out the turf first before you were able to, uh, uh, get some significant levels of, of K down. So uh, now and yeah, so Ray, I'll let you, I know you have a hard on for things that are, um, <laughs> stabilized with aluminum, um, r- rather than, than, uh, a potassium. So I'll let you kind of dive into that and. <laughs> then I'll kind of talk about
3: my experience with it on the other end. Right. Well, when I'm dealing with uh, that high-value turf, uh, my preference is to tank mix Fossettl-L, also known as Elliott or Signature, with something like Exteris, because Fossettl-L is the... Phosphite that has been proven as a piscium and phytophthora control in both agriculture and turf. It's been proven and it's actually a EPA registered fungicide. It's not sold as like with a potassium phosphite is often sold as a biostimulant or potassium fertilizer but Aliet or signature is definitely sold as a fungicide and when it is used at the proper rates you can literally get up to 30 days of disease control or disease prevention out of an application of say signature or aliette and it also is very synergistic with your other established fung- fungicide applications. Like a common one in golf is Daconil plus uh, signature, or else plus signature.
0: Yes. Yeah. A little, a little, a little, a little overspray end. from your shrubs on that one, and boy, you're that is curative action. You're good. Man. You're There's, good. Yeah, you're skimming. That scared. is, <laughs> that I, is I, one I, hell I'd of a. Him. Yeah, I mean that is one hell. I mean it's pretty much everything you 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 do a little dacnolemecazev and and phosphine oh oh, 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 Yeah, yeah.
4: Well, oh, that yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, even
3: like Dacanil and elliot dacnole and elliot would be my ideal non-systemic application where for, say I need to break disease resistance in uh in turf I'd go on a 14-day application program with Aliette and Daconil. And I'd keep it up until that particular passage and got eradicated.
4: I, I, I'm not, I don't want to put ideas in anybody's head out there. So please, this is just me telling a story. Just me telling a story. But I worked in a fairly high-pressure disease environment, some older bent grasses that were awful on fairways. And all mm-hmm. we sprayed, I'm not kidding you, all we sprayed were phosphites in low areas when it got hot and off-label low, off-label low, right? So this is the old dry-flowable version of uh, chlorothalonil. So low weight on mm-hmm. that was like five pounds of the acre. Spraying it three pounds of the acre every seven days. Clean, clean, clean. Nothing. Out on these fairways when we started doing that. And it was paying the buck because you had to spray 38 acres of fairways every seven days, but, or five days, or whatever it was, but uh, nothing out there. So, yeah, the old overspray from the rose bushes sometimes ain't a bad deal, is what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> 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 what's,
4: what's the oops?
0: Oops. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Oops. You know, that JD9 mm-hmm. gun takes oh, on a life of its uh, own sometimes.
4: It was it was all Rinsate, sir. All rinseate. Yeah. Yep, yep. Absolutely diluted. Oh, heavily, very heavily. No problem at all. I,
0: you know, chlorothalonil not being available is seriously one of the. Um, it just it really chaps my ass. Do I get why it's not? It, yes, I do. And you know, I'm not here to to argue one way or another. At least not on this show. But. Um, a oh boy, you, you, you talk about all the, I don't know I, when we're talking no, about, well, so it, for people that are asking about fungicide resistance, which I've seen a couple of people get in there before. And, uh, there's, there's, there's multiple kind of facets of fungicide resistance. Number one is going to be your class of fungicide, right? There are certain classes of fungicides that are going to have a higher potential of resistance, you know, like, um, uh, uh. Uh, Demay was, was talking about, uh, thiophanate methyl. It, uh, unfortunately, you know, DMI classes, not all DMIs, but specifically thiophanate methyl is, you know, has a very high potential for disease resistance, de, for developing resistance. Um, uh, strobilurins, you know, have a very high chance of, uh, those, uh, diseases developing resistance towards it. And, you know, what, at least what the data we have right now says that combining multiple sites of action, because you have to think how these fungicides are actually eliminating the disease, Um, you know, by attacking it at multiple sites, um, it will decrease the, um, if you're only attacking one site, that's only one mutation the disease has to make uh, in order to become resistant to that fungicide Uh, versus if it attacks multiple sites at one time, i.e. chlorothalonil or mancozeb, um, that is going to attack many, many, many sites. So in order for a disease to become resistant to that fungicide, it would have to make multiple mutations in, in order to become tolerant of it, right? So um, it being one of the, the the lowest risk of developing resistance, it would just make such a great tank mix compatibility agent. And what science is, is saying is that you know, typically the more sites you attack at one time that would be the best way to manage disease resistance um so by combining multiple fungicides that attack only a single site or adding something to the tank like chlorothalonil would be a great way to go after that so it just it chash my ass you know we continue to have to have these conversations about disease resistance and um uh, and what what a what a great tank mix compatibility agent that would be um, to help fight that fight, but unfortunately, we just don't have it. So, I don't know where I'm going with that. But
3: you lost there you your go. camera. No, I know. no, <sighs> you, you 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 went uh, exactly where we needed to go with it because, as far as you know, things like gray leaf spot, we wouldn't even be talking about gray leaf spot if, in fact, you could legally apply four to eight ounces per thousand square foot of wettable powder Mancozeb, we wouldn't even be discussing gray leaf spot. Okay, because that would be the non-issue and I wouldn't be dancing around with Aliette if I had Mancozeb because Mancozeb is excellent for preventing but not dealing with active piscium. It's a good preventative for it, but it's not intended for reactively treating piscium. What you do use for reactively treating piscium is unfortunately a fungicide that has extremely high risk of resistance, and that would be our Subdue max or Mephinoxin EC, right?
4: Segway, yeah.
3: Yeah, or else the new one, uh, Segway, I forgot what, uh, F, FRAC number that is, but Segway is also something that has an extremely high risk of resistance because it only affects the Piscium disease on one site and via one specific enzyme. So, you know, you keep on, using Segway and you're going to create uh, Hulk Pissium
4: also not cheap at all
3: and it's also it's also expensive because uh, like in the 1980s and the 1990s guess how much a four pound bag of four wettable powder was Ryan 20 bucks About that much, $20, $25. And, uh, you know, so you used four ounces per thousand square foot, but it worked. And I could safely run that as a standalone fungicide, or I could tank mix that with something like Benlate or 3336 and get good coverage for Dollar Spot.
4: And I think that's what you've seen is with the chemistries, right, is that you you do have some more broad spectrum now with the SDHIs, but, they're, you know, it's gotten very specific, which is a good thing, right, that we have these very niche products that go over very – that have great activity on very specific diseases. That being said – Outside of the SDHIs, there is not in these new new flavors of DMIs that are not plant growth regulating, right? Those are those are kind of the new things in golf that I think think will matriculate down into lawn care and residential turf for the most part. But um, the things that I see that are challenges in the fungicide world are really threefold. One is the resistance issue, right, that we have with some of the commonly used products, right. The the next thing is the fact that we're not seeing major manufacturers step up to the plate and try to get these things registered for uh, sports fields or even lawn care, right? Because it's just too high of a bar to clear and they don't want to mess with it, right? They just want to keep it golf only. So like there are some fantastic contacts out there right now that will never see the light of day in lawn care because it, it's just not worth it, right? The ROI is not there for these companies. And so that uh, unwillingness to, to try and bring to market newer chemistries that will have a more profound and wide, you know, wide ranging impact is concerning. And then last is just that, you know, some of the stuff's going to start going away. Some of the older stuff is going to start going away. And, you know, so it's kind of like getting pushed from two sides, right? So you're, you're going to continue to lose stuff that um, is worthy and works and is in that right price range and, and price point, right? for, folks to operate within and so i i don't know i mean it's going to be a really really interesting next you know not to get on the soapbox here but next 10 to 15 maybe 20 years of how this all unfolds with fungicides particularly in lawn care um in in more widely used turf spaces so again parks and sports fields and things like that are going to get compressed from both sides right you're going to lose more stuff you're not going to gain as much in that nutrition factor is going to be real to the point that uh, do we accept you know lesser you know standards or lower standards of turf i I don't know I mean that's kind of where I think it might be headed, but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out
3: yeah i mean i I find it very interesting because we're basically getting really stretched, and uh i see i feel that stretch because in my area fungicides are the difference between having to re an area at four dollars a square foot or not having to do it so you know by all means i do need to control my dollar spot i do need to control my large patch i do need to control my piscium so it's uh it's just a matter of uh you know, what the technology brings. And, yeah, that's... uh, And unfortunately, with this new technology also comes greater cost. However, there is something I don't miss about the older chemistries. Some of the older chemistries were actually very... Toxic and dangerous to wheezy applicators as well as to our customers.
4: Oh, there's no for doubt example I mean, it, Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. on the right track there.
3: Yeah, because for example, uh Daconil tells me if I have a leak in my gloves. Do you know how it tells me? Wow's that. Wherever de- Wherever Dacanil gets on my skin, I
4: get hypes. Oh, man. I, I mixed up a lot of Dacanil, dry flowable Dacanil in my day with no mask, no gloves, like just being an idiot. But uh, I, I've cut thousands of pounds worth of bags and just dumped them in, of, into of, the sprayer. Da- of, in. Oh, yeah.
3: Clotelanil yeah, DF. Oh. Yep. Dry close down on on the other hand uh even with Mankozeb, mm. i suspect that Mankozeb is probably what gave my grandmother leukemia <laughs> because my grand That's no right. because my no because my grandmother was an orchid collector she was an orchid mm. collector and one of the things that the old lady would do is mix up some four in, like, a five-gallon pail and then hmm. dunk dunk the orchid's pot and all into that, you know, passive <clears throat> mencozeb.
4: Like Marie Curie dying from uh, no radiation exposure, right? God rest your soul. Exactly.
3: Exactly. And so, the- uh, so it's like, by now, all the new chemistries, if they have any potential for being carcinogens or toxins, mm-hmm. they're, they're probably not even going to get past EPA registration anymore.
4: So th- I got a question for Paul, and then there's a question in the chat I want to address about summer patch. So first, Paul, do you get, you know, in your area, how much pushback questions inquiries whatever do you get on like that environmental side of hey what are you using is you know is that a big deal in your area and like i'm sure you get at least some of those questions how do you answer those how do you as virtually a owner, none. On here, uh this is really? a huge
1: agricultural area and uh they are used to uh i mean it's just uh, nobody's ever ever ask me what I what I'm spray out what I'm spraying or hurt I, yourself. I, I, I sometimes will have you know the question uh, is this safe for my dog or whatever and I'm
4: okay vulnerable. okay yeah.
1: but I mean never is there that environmental question I know my buddy Chris uh, lives in Asheville and uh, when all the things were going on with glyphosate, I, I know that he was saying that people were like, you can't get near my house with glyphosate. Uh, and he bought that uh, Maramuchi fatty acid stuff to spray. <laughs> but, oh, uh, it, it, it does work. It's quick. It's quick. But yeah, he, he said that the animals love to come eat it.
3: <laughs> oh, but, yuck.
1: Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, I, I, I have... I, I get zero of that. I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm very fortunate in that, in that respect. And I guess,
4: um, no, I, I, that's good. That's good. Cause I think I, I, I see it like 50, 50 of, I don't care. I'm just worried about the outcome and not so much like you can't come do this or you won't do this or anything like that, but more of just like, more inquisitive of, Hey, what is that stuff you're using? Like, people are just curious. Right. And I, I can always talk to those people and have a good conversation mm-hmm. of, Hey, I'd, I'd love to tell you what it is and how safe it is. Right. Cause like, you know, right. we get into those things of, okay. Like a celloprin, right. Doesn't hurt bees. Yeah. It's more expensive, but you know what? Like it doesn't even have a signal word on the label because it's so non-toxic, right? It's LD 50 is 5,000 milligrams per kilogram of body weight North of that. Right. It's higher than that it's incredibly safe. It's safer than anything else we could use. Um, but then, you know, it's funny. You go to some States like, you know, Connecticut and uh, and others where even though it's that non-toxic, you can't use it. Like, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. So I, uh, I'm glad that you don't have to deal with that. Um, I enjoy answering those questions. I have some customers
1: that are very curious about what I'm spraying just because they want, they want to learn, you know, they want to know. I, I oh like yeah. That yeah. One And his dad was a golf course superintendent. So he feels like he's kind of reaching back to his roots, but he he always is. He will text me after I've gone to his yard and just ask a bunch of questions about what I've done. And it's not to find out if I'm, you know, killing his family and his dog. It's just because he (laughs) wants to learn what's doing what and, and why is that doing this and this kind of thing. He even, uh, he even got on the Amazon because he's got a little Bermuda patch in his front yard. His, his front yard is really small, mm-hmm. but his backyard is kind of huge. In his best his front yard is a small Bermuda yard. And I was talking to him about maybe growth regulating his uh, Bermuda. And uh, he got on uh, the Amazons and found him some granular uh, uh, T-necks. And he's like, "Oh, oh God. <laughs> this how's that us Oh,
4: don't get me, don't Whatever. get me started on that. No, I mean, I... Paul, Paul, have you ever? You know, this mean... is this is uh, this is a Discord thing. This is a, if you're on the Discord, the wandiscord.com, Discord dot com. The one, you know, one of my favorite one-liners on there. This is this is you know, gran. Some people people ask about granular fungicides, um, and things like that. Granular PGR, or, or, granular PGR. Or, or, in- case, gran- <laughs> You know, this is my analogy is that um, granular granular PGRs, granular fungicides are like sheepskins condoms. You know, you're so preoccupied with the fact that is it going to work, you know, because you know what you should be using. It, 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 that's not it. You should be spraying something right that you're so preoccupied. You just really can't enjoy yourself. So, you know, use the Durax, use the Trojans, right. Get out there and spray that stuff and do it the right way. Right. You know, we, we, we don't want to see anything bad happen. Yeah, Never we, we want it to work. It, that
1: His Bermuda's pretty yeah. tight right now. I mean, he's not real mowing it or anything, obviously, but he's cut. I, I he's got a little high in the push mower. I told him to go, go as low as it would get it, and uh, we put some sand on it and leveled it out. So I mean, I think he's in pretty decent shape right now, but uh, maybe I need to follow up and sp- spray him some PGR and show him the difference and and get him hooked on on those apps too. <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm well, getting because... I don't have the time to to follow up and and uh cover as many uh warm season PGRs in the heat of the summer as i would need to to uh keep up with with some things like that but uh i you know i've always i'm always happy to get my customers really interested and in, in, involved in you know wanting the best law available because it always ends up being an upsell for me because I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them something else. You know they're gonna always, Absolutely. and they're they're never gonna balk when I try to tell them, hey, let's let's try this uh, subvert, xxx product or <laughs> whatever because <laughs> they're into it.
4: Don't say xxx because he'll name something after that if you're not careful.
1: Uh, this the next thing. Yeah. Done, that's gonna be that's gonna be the Tri- uh, phosphite product.
4: Yeah, triple x hardcore phosphite. You know,
1: yeah, it's
4: well, like... <laughs> don't, yeah, there's going to be a cute name it.
3: associated. Yeah, I, I know there's going to be a cute, tempt uh, tempt cute tempt name, yeah, cute name be... associated with. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm glad you don't get a lot of the pushback, you know, as far as your applications go here, believe it or not, Paul. I get it all the time. I get it all the time. And when glyphosate hit the news, uh, thankfully, Paul, I actually don't use a lot of glyphosate. But here's the flip side of that. I also have to tell people, this is not glyphosate. And this will kill you. This shit will kill you. It's not roundup, but it'll kill you. I'll leave it to your imagination as to what that actually is.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, some of those uh, non-selectives that you can spray on and watch the weed die are equally as hard on a human as they are on the weed.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Because I'm going to show my age in that I'm familiar with something called Paraquat.
1: Oh, yeah. That's the one I'm thinking about.
3: Yeah. And because I'm familiar with Paraquat, I'm also extremely familiar with Daiquat. In fact, Daiquat is my main non-selective in most applications especially when I'm not dealing with a turf renovation type situation, my preference is actually for diquat.
1: Yeah, we, we use a bit of diquat here too, especially in wetter spots and things like that.
3: Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, I tell people that glyphosate literally replaced a whole list of chemicals that are either now banned or extremely restricted in where and how they may be used. So, you know, that's how I, I I counter it. As I say, this roundup is St. goodness. Roundup came around because all the stuff I remember before roundup had skull and crossbones on the bottles. Oh, well, really? I'm, I'm not drinking. I,
1: oh, I, I know. I'm, I'm the same age you are, I think. Are you about 49?
3: Yep, I'm 49 years old this year.
1: Right, me too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I used to spray stuff on my dad's roses that, uh, you know, just coming home in flip-flops and uh, shorts and, you know, mixing it up and pump sprayers that, that would probably be triple outlawed today. But uh, back to the glyphosate, uh, we usually buy a tote of glyphosate here because uh, I've got some uh, clean out things that we do and some like uh, right-of-way management type of things. But uh, in January, my supplier called me and said, hey, you better get that tote. There's going to be a price increase. And Mm-hmm. I didn't get it. And then about a month later, he called me, Hey, there's another price increase. You better get it. And uh, there's been three price increases this year on glyphosate. And as of right now, there isn't any. And it's not the glyphosate. Wow. It's the it's some of the uh, inert ingredients in it. They can't get to mix the formulation because it comes from China. And the, I mean... Some of the glyphosate actually comes from China too, but the even the Roundup this uh, made oh, where is Roundup made somewhere Midwest, but they they can't even Missouri. make it right now because they can't they they can't get the they can't get the parts and yeah, they can't uh, get I know, the that, uh, I know I, the, one of my uh, good friends. Is a regional manager for a agricultural uh, chemical supply company, and everything is going to go up big time this year. They they can't get what they need, and it's it's going to roll into turf here soon. So I mean, just just brace yourself for price increases on everything. They used to be able to uh, take a shipping container for two thousand dollars. They could load anything they could stuff in that shipping container and get it over here. Now it's costing them between twelve and fifteen thousand dollars to ship that same container over here that they could just six months ago for two thousand dollars so you do the math on that and mm-hmm. any of your uh, imported chemicals are going up
3: well I, I know that almost all of the active ingredients if they're not made in Germany or the UK or Switzerland are uh, They come from China. I mean, China just has taken over the chemical manufacturer market, you know, to a large extent. Uh, And I even think about how there's some stuff that even comes from India, but that's another catastrophe because india has a special problem
4: Bhopal? paul
3: yeah and actually they cannot seem to keep their chemical plants from either blowing up or catching on fire i mean Bhopal paul is the one that no pope paul is the one that killed like over 5000 people overnight but there's incidents that don't make the news, but their plant explodes and catches on fire. yeah I mean, yeah, and that was that's kind of a pain. Too. <laughs> yeah, because, for example, I have trouble finding surflan.
4: Oh man, surflan. I love painting surf stuff of orange paint some stuff orange like i'm talking white orange right
3: yeah and and after you paint it orange you know what i like about it nothing grows there for the rest of the year (laughs) that's why i loved surfland (laughs) nothing grew there it was dirt (laughs) Mm. and it was cheap too you know it was relatively cheap in fact, I think it's almost as effective as Shoreguard but and spectacle. But the thing is, is that with Surflan, you just can't get it because they can't seem to keep their factory in India, that's making it now in Mumbai, from catching fire. Every time they start it up again, they, it catches on fire.
4: I'm not in manufacturing and, and Matt can clue me in, but fire bad, right? I mean, that's trying to get rid of the shed. I
0: mean, listen, okay. <laughs> everything I've done in manufacturing related to fire was a bad thing. Um, and I, I fail to have ever encountered anything where an unplanned fire was ever a good thing. Um, even. Even during biochar production, right? Paralysis is all about. You, it's it's high temperature, fire. but it's not fire, right? You know, it's all <laughs> it's oxygen free, so there's no there's no flame, right? Uh, boy, you take something at a thousand degrees Celsius and you inject some oxygen into that, and that kind of fire you don't want. You know what I mean? So, uh, no, I, I've I've got no good instances of fire and good manufacturing.
4: The last good unplanned fire, I think, was Towering Inferno. That was a great film. I really enjoyed it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That and the Poseidon adventure.
4: Oh, yeah. Gene Hackman was great in that. Yes. Yeah. It's classic. Mm. (laughs) See, now we're all showing our age right here. There's people in this like, what the hell are these guys? Yeah, I have
0: no idea what you're talking about.
4: You're not old. Yeah. There used to
1: be these things that came on TV, Matt, called, like, specials.
4: <laughs> yeah, you can watch the you can watch the afternoon movie on TBS at like two o five in the afternoon if there wasn't a Braves game on, and you could catch a good movie. Right, wake up <laughs> we'll halfway through. Not know that, what's going on. Like
1: prime time at night. Listen, I, I, I yeah, just and come up to special, and then uh, there's got to be other people out day. there.
0: It, how many people out there watch a movie and feel depressed afterwards because they re, they've come to the realization they've lost two hours of their life they'll never get back?
1: Not often. <laughs> I think a lot like, of is, people... Is,
0: am I the only that one right that now. goes through that? It doesn't matter if I watch Save Private Ryan or whatever. And I, and I can be moved to tears through Save Private Ryan. I'll cry through the whole damn thing. But still afterwards, the the anxiety starts to creep in. I was like, oh, shit, man. That's 150 minutes of my day that has just evaporated in the thin air. And and then that creeps <laughs> into the back of my head. And I, I, I mean, it's like, it's not a good thing. It's not a good feeling. So that's what has always kept me away from TV and movies.
1: How many people are still watching this crap, uh Jay Pink? Can you tell?
0: Twenty-three. <laughs> Quite a few.
2: Twenty-three. <laughs>
0: yeah, last time I
4: last time I looked it was well over a hundred. So
1: they are very pay, curious pay, about your twenty three and twenty one MF sound
4: already. Yeah. All right, well yeah, let's two, let's
0: kill this and let's let's move to the show after the show um so that way we can we can kind of cut loose a little bit and have a little fun my camera is dead both my batteries are dead therefore this is why you have to look at the picture of me and my wife and my daughter there but uh paul seriously thank you for coming on and hanging out with us today let everybody man, know real quick where you, where, where can they find time.
2: you where
0: can people learn more about you paul the outlaw
1: i'm probably like in any uh post office there's posters and shit you know uh <laughs> uh, the uh the crime page on the interwebs uh, no i i mean obviously at the youtube channel uh, paul's prime cuts and uh i've got an instagram i think yeah, i mean that's the same thing i i, I see Jay Pink rolls some stuff up there yeah that thing right there that's where you can find me and you know if you're in my area and need turf treated don't call i'm busy <laughs> <laughs> <But,
2: laughs> it would be
4: $7,500 minimum.
1: Yeah, the prices, uh, are, man, I, these people have depressed me with all this stuff, and I know prices are going up, and time is time is irreplaceable. And, you know, we've just spent, like, three hours of it, four and a half, whatever it seems like, but <laughs> right here. But, nah, I'm just kidding. But, uh, oh, look at that. That's a really that's tall rock right right grass right there.
0: That's a really that's, good uh, camera that's work. That's
1: perennial ryegrass that hasn't been mowed <laughs> in ages. Um, anyway, yeah, just the YouTube channel, Paul's Prime Cuts. I'm getting all these texts right now. I guess uh, people are telling me to cut it short or something. Like <laughs> I'm, sure,
0: no, what? I'm sure everybody's mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I didn't, I didn't open them. I don't know what they're saying. They might be saying that's well, hey, it's great. I don't know.
0: Uh, yeah, might be. I just want, want to say thank
2: you.
1: Well, I, I yeah, just want to say for, thank you. I, it was good, good, I, being I really on haven't here. had a chance to uh talk to you much, Ryan, or to get to know you, but uh I'm looking forward to it. Right, Are who oh who's going to the GIE this year?
4: Uh, oh, oh, he he not at? Mm. Nah. I'll 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 do my best to be there. I I'm I'm loaded to the gills right now with fall projects, but if I can uh squeeze a couple of that. days out there, I will not, however, not be partaking in the peanut butter whiskey. So I will. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, don't I, know I, I think if, in uh, Kentucky the they sell forty-five packs. I think they sell forty-five packs of Keystone Light in Kentucky. I think that's state law. So,
1: mm. yeah. If I, if uh, I find Keystone, you, the GIE, we'll we'll get you a at least one of them twenty-four ounce cans of Keystone's. that, that ought at least cost a buck.
4: Oh, at least a dollar down there. So. Well, seriously, no. It was it was good getting to meet you. I can't, I can't, can't, can't wait for the after show with Paul's Prime Cuts because let's be oh, honest, Paul's like, Prime Cuts is I, outy,
1: man. I'm I'm way past my limit.
4: <laughs> we're we're gonna get rowdy, I think, uh, because there is oh. the, the the good thing is for everybody that's watching that wants to subscribe. Join the channel and uh, get access to this via Dirty Deeds on the Discord. You'll get a private link in there. That's live for 10 minutes, 10 minutes only. Then it disappears into the ether. It's gone, never to be seen again, as my friend Matt would say. Um, But the amount of bullshit that keeps compounding into my inbox each week to be seen during this show, I'm really having to be selective on what kind of bullshit we see. So, Paul, if you (laughs) want to see some really dumb stuff please join us please join us with that matthew ray paul thank you all <laughs> so much it's been great j pink roll us out of here